For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. It's that time of year, folks. It's smokescreen time for the NFL draft, meaning there are rumors popping up all over the place. And to help Ryan and I debunk some of those rumors and then also maybe provide some evidence that they might be real is Connor Rogers, NFL draft analyst with Bleacher Report and also host of the NFL Stock Exchange podcast. Before we get to our conversation with Connor, though, folks, I do have to tell you about today's sponsors. First being Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs, fights, and even next season's futures. And don't forget that the MLB is back as well. Who are you picking to win the World Series? BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so head to their website or use your mobile device to sign up today using our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Also want to tell you folks about today's other sponsor. Tons of people take multivitamins, but it's important to choose one that is top quality. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, superfoods, probiotics, and aptogens to start your day right. Their special blend of ingredients supports gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovering, focus, and aging. It's also lifestyle-friendly and fits a wide range of diets. There's only one gram of sugar and no chemicals or artificial anything. Reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash believe. That's B-L-E-A-V. Again, that's believe. Athleticgreens.com slash believe. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, cure, or prevent any disease. Athletic Greens take ownership of your health. Now joining us on the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast is Connor Rogers, host of the PFF NFL Stock Exchange podcast and also lead NFL draft analyst with Bleacher Report. Connor, appreciate you coming on. How are you doing today? Yeah, guys, I'm doing good. Crazy time, fun time of year. This is where it gets <laughs> real fun. So thanks for having me. Yeah, certainly crazy, crazy times as, as we, we know on this podcast. So appreciate you taking the time out of your day. Today, we're going to be hopping in and, and discussing some of the latest smoke screens and rumors that have been coming out in NFL draft circles some of the, the possibilities that could happen on draft night. We're going to address some very realistic ones, some wild ones that have been thrown out there, buying or selling, if we actually believe them or not. So the first one that we want to hit on is that Trevon Walker, the Georgia edge rusher, has pushed himself into this 
top spot potentially of being the first player off the board. Originally, it was a lot of Aiden Hutchinson. It was a lot of Kayvon Thibodeau. But now we're starting to hear Walker as a potential player to go for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So, Connor, for you first, do you think that this is realistic? Is the hype realistic that Trevon Walker could be our, our first overall pick? I would never say absolutely not, right? Especially with Trent Baalke at the helm, a guy that is, uh, if I'm being polite, unconventional, if I'm being honest, just n- not really uh, on the money with making early picks, to be honest, making draft selections, to be honest with you. So, you know, it's one because I don't value Walker as the top pick in this draft. I think it's tough to take a guy. Let's be real. They're a team that needs a, you know, impact pass rusher across from Josh Allen, or he's just going to be getting swarmed with double and triple teams. And they're a defense that needs a lot of things, but it all starts up front. So when you say that, yeah, it sounds like Trevon Walker could be a good fit, but the production's just not there. He's going to need seasoning. He's going to need time. I still think it's interesting how we don't have a conversation around him that he's still a tweener. I, I don't know if he's a true edge. I don't know if he's a three tech. I don't know which one of those brings out this double digit sack potential that apparently the NFL and some people in the media see that I, I'm a little skeptic of, at least early on. I think it's a projection pick. So I think this is a little bit of smoke, uh, a lot of bit of noise right now, which is good. The, I, you know, something that a lot of people don't talk about is, guys, the NFL urges teams um, to that are picking number one overall to really hold it close to the vest. They like the excitement of the draft. Now, I know Jacksonville, you know, they're picking number one. They traditionally don't have a reason to hide where they're going when you look at it from a big picture perspective. But at the same time, that is a little thing that goes on. Uh, I think they're taking Aiden Hutchinson. I think that pick makes sense. As much as I like Kayvon Thibodeau a little more, I know he's not going number one overall. I think we're past the point of discussing that. Uh, so at the end of the day, I think Aiden Hutchinson will be the number one overall pick. But the bigger conversation is it goes to show you that Trayvon Walker is probably going in the top three of this draft. Yeah, and, and I'm on the same wavelength, uh, Connor. We just had a draft show last night where I basically said the same thing. I'm buying that it's still Aiden Hutchinson, but Trent Bulky. I put that on Twitter, man. I'm like, it's Trent Bulky's so like, who knows? It could be a right thing. Up. I want to kind of talk though real quick because it's going off, off the tangent a little bit. But I think you, you – I mean, I've been talking about this with Joe for a while. I mean, you're seeing Trevon Walker who like, okay, 6'5", 272, 4'5", 140, 40-inch – like you obviously can't teach those things, right? Like yeah. he has some of the most incredible traits that you could find. But I agree with you 100%, which is why I've been saying like he's a mid to late first round type of player in a typical year in my opinion because there's just yeah. such a – projection to him because like you said he's playing in a three-man front most of the time I mean he's playing in a head-up technique a ton like he's playing four sometimes four eye he's not doing traditional edge things and honestly and this is not a this is not a comparison I'm not saying he's Solomon Thomas I'm not doing it (laughs) but some of the things that made you worry about Solomon Thomas coming out of Stanford and transitioning to edge I have similar concerns with Trevon Walker because I just haven't seen that outside track flexibility like you just haven't seen it yet you know what I mean I totally know what you mean. I think when I look at it, that's my biggest concern is how, you know, where where are people getting this projection? I don't understand the thought process of, oh, well, you know, we're going to use him in a role that he wasn't used at Georgia that's going to unlock 14 sacks in the NFL. And I look at that and I know Georgia was the definition of a a, a unit, right? They're a unit as defense. Like it's, it's literally like how the Spartans fought, like they're effective together as a unit. How would they be single-handedly? And I know Georgia operated that way that they all had jobs, right? And some of those jobs were not gaudy in the stat sheet. Some of those jobs were not necessarily, um, you know, led to the highest production, produ- uh, production in certain roles. And Trayvon Walker was probably 
a guy that fell victim to that. But when you there, guys, there's enough tape out there. There are opportunities to rush the passer. There are times where he got to, you know, obviously pin his ears back and go. I don't see the elite pass rush traits right now that say, okay, well, just with more opportunity in the NFL, it's going to be there. So, I, yes, and I do think he is harder to project. It's you're right, Ryan. It's not something where you're you're going, oh, well, we're going to put him wide nine. We're going to put him off the outside shoulder of the tackle and. We think he's explosive enough that it all doesn't matter. Where is anybody seeing that? I actually think for Trayvon Walker, you know, his best home, his best aspect is his ability to convert speed to power head on as a bull rusher. And a lot of that is from the inside. Converting speed to power from the outside is a lot different, uh, a different prospect. So he's raw. He has not had that season yet where you go, oh man, he put it all together in college. Now there's that confidence there to do that. So you are, literally projecting a guy that was on a championship defense in the country, right? He wasn't playing for some small time program that didn't win a lot of games. He was on a championship defense in the country playing next to Jordan Davis, Devontae Wyatt, Nicobe Dean behind him, three linebackers that are getting drafted in the first two days of the draft behind him. He did a lot of good things. He, like you said, he didn't do anything to warrant a top 10 selection. He would have been a really nice back end around one player, high end run defense, high end athleticism to develop into a double digit sack pass rusher. But those guys do not go with top five picks in any draft. No, no. He re- he reminds me a little bit. And again, not a perfect comparison because they're a little bit different athletically. But I think perfect role, he's a Michael Bennett type, right? Where like he's that. a base end. And then that's when he kicks inside. And like you said, those traits against guards with that length and that athleticism, that first step. I think that's where you kind of unlock him, right? Like that's just what I typically see. I want to move on to a player that we've talked about in, in text a little bit, and that's Drake London, wide receiver out of USC. I know you're a fan of him. I'm a fan of him. He's a player you covering the Jets a little bit and staying close to that franchise. Yeah. They, they, that's a team that's been kind of connected with him a ton. The The rumor that we're hearing that we've heard off and on over the last couple weeks is potentially the first receiver off the board and potential top 10 pick. I guess that's a two-parter there. So are you buying that, that both could be possibilities? I am. I uh, would bet on him being a top 10 selection. I think it's Atlanta at eight or the Jets at 10. I don't think he makes it to Washington at 11, although I'm convinced that they would highly consider taking him depending how the board breaks. So, And these are things that I've heard. This is not me assuming or just trying to connect dots. Uh, I legitimately think he's in play as a top 10 selection, the back end of a top 10 selection with two teams that desperately need a wide receiver uh, with the Atlanta Falcons and the New York Jets. And it makes so much sense to the New York Jets when you look at his skill set. They don't have a guy like him that can play above the rim for Zach Wilson. Uh, Their leader in contested catches last year was Corey Davis with five or six. That's an abysmal number if you track contested catches across the NFL. Uh, You know, some teams have guys that are in the 20s in that number. The Jets weren't even in double digits, and it, it did not help Zach Wilson. So, I think when you look at Drake London, you know, people are really high on him. Are there people that are also concerned with the play speed? I, I guess I, I find more people that aren't, honestly. I think they believe he's a sub four, six forty kind of guy. Uh, the AAU basketball background, you could see it on tape. He plays like a small forward. He's got the long arms, big catch radius. And he's not one of these basketball guys that you go, eh, how's it going to be, you know, when you're playing intense football games? He blocks, he runs through people, he plays with an edge, his teammates love him. So Drake London, for me, I am buying that he's going to be a top 10 selection. The only way he's not the first wide receiver off the board is if we get a bit of a surprise. Maybe Garrett Wilson or Jamison Williams goes at eight. Maybe there's something we don't know. Uh, And what I mean by that is a trade-up that we cannot predict 
into the top seven picks of this draft, right? And somebody really likes a wide receiver, but Drake London, he's going to be taken whether it's, you know, whether it's the first wide receiver or not, it looks like he's going to be a top 10 selection. Yeah, I, I thought it was pretty safe because like you said, the, the New York Jets at 10, I think is kind of a floor yeah, for him. I would, I would agree. Yeah, I mean, and, and I, I guess that the conversation is if Atlanta likes wide receiver, is that Wilson? Is that Drake London? But I, I guess my 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 secondary question to that would be, because I know you're a fan of Drake London, like I kind of mentioned already. Do you feel like top 10 is a little too rich for him? It's tricky, right? I think, I mean, I pull up my big board right now, and it's, uh, you know, I have him as the 16th best player in this draft. So the on-paper answer is a little bit, and the drafting answer is teams still draft for need and the Jets need a wide receiver. The Jets have shown you these cards. They have tried to trade for Tyree kill and pay him $25 million. They have tried to, you know, tap in on Calvin Ridley before things fell apart there. You know, they've been in on wide receivers, high end wide receivers. So they're telling you it's a top priority need for them. And I think when you look at it, my question for a team like the Jets, and you could ask this question about a lot of teams picking in, you know, Atlanta, Washington, Everybody loves a trade back. They fall in love with a trade back. How cute do you want to get with a trade back that might cost you the wide receiver that you value? I mean, in a perfect world, the Jets would love to go back a couple picks, right? A couple picks, get an extra day two selection, use that, maybe come back up later in the draft and still get Drake London closer where I have him ranked at 14, 15, 16, 17, whatever it may be. At the end of the day, that's a big time risk. And I know everybody likes to, I'm guilty of this as well, use the whole, oh, the wide receivers are graded closely together. Yeah, they are. I mean, I have Garrett Wilson, Traylon Burks, Drake London, Jamison Williams, right in the same group. But you need to work with an offensive coordinator that's looking for a certain skill set. And these guys are very different in terms of skill set. And Drake London is the above the rim contested catch threat of this draft class. If that's what you think you need for your offense. And if you watch any of the New York jets, you could tell that's what they need. You got to get the guy uh, when you have the chance rather than trying to overplay the board. So Connor Rogers here with us on the NFL draft prospects podcast. Connor, here's one that's uh, a little bit comical to discuss. And I, I think that this might be the true definition of, uh, of smokescreen season where Desmond Ritter, the Cincinnati quarterback suddenly this week, we're starting to see that he might be a, a first-round pick. Now, Ryan jokingly, in a mock draft that we did recently on the on the show, had the Seattle Seahawks taking him, uh, but that might be a, a little bit too rich for our blood here. But do, do you actually buy into that that hype at all? Like, Is there even a, a, an ounce of a chance that he ends up as a first-round quarterback? I do, uh, just because... I- you can never underestimate the league in quarterbacks, right? And, and there's right. different shades of this. I remember this time last year, literally this time last year, Davis Mills was being rumored to go in the first round. And I said, no way. I said, it's not going to happen. There's not enough sample size there. There's, and he didn't. And Davis Mills played this different conversation. Davis Mills did flash last year, but he was never going in the first round. I am inclined because of the environment Desmond Ritter is in, in terms of quarterbacks around him in this class, that he very well could because... I think the Panthers are taking one at six. And if that's Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis is still going in the top 20. So if there's a team that wants to come back into round one and get that fifth year option on the quarterback, which they always do, then you could see Desmond Ritter going in the first round. Now, do I think he goes in the top 10? I'd be floored. I I mean, he's my 68th ranked overall player. Oh God! (laughs) Yeah, I don't project him as a... 
a high-end starter. I don't really project him as even an average starter. Uh, if you're taking a quarterback in the first round and he doesn't end up as a top 15, top 20 guy in the league in three years, you missed. It, you missed. I, there's no what, – what, you don't take quarterbacks in the first round to hope you have a long-term backup. That's not how this league works. That's, they're, that's not how it goes. They're not even paid like that as first-round picks. So I'll be honest with Ritter, and I, I think he goes in the first round because it, it, the desperate nature – uh, there will be teams that think they can stash him and develop him for a year. But I would counter that with, yes, he's athletic. Yes, there's enough arm strength. He's done some good things on film. He played in a lot of pro concepts at times. He started for four years. And when did he ever get that much better that you went? I, I never saw. And I'm talking about the things that concern me, playing slow. Playing slow is the biggest thing with Desmond Ritter. And when I say that to people, it's not really something that can be evaluated in a number. The best number to give it to you is that he had eight passes bad at the line of scrimmage. That to me is playing slow. And I know there's a, a long correlation to that. And some people might not agree the inaccuracy at times. Um, I don't think he plays to that athleticism. He's not a guy where you go, oh, cool. He's a four or five guy. He takes off and breaks off big runs. When do you ever see that? I think it's going to translate to the NFL level. So I don't want to sit here and kill Desmond Ritter. That's not the point. But he is the becoming, I think, and there's a lot of guys to use as this example, but one of the poster boys of no business going in the first round, but will because of the position he plays. Yeah, he's. I like him a little more than Kellen Mond, but it kind of reminds me of Kellen Mond a little bit because I just feel like Kellen Mond just never got better. You know, he was just the same guy for like yep. three years, and you're just like, that's what he is, and that that's fine to a degree. But I definitely do subscribe to this, and Joe knows this. I've been talking about this as a senior bowl, Connor. Like, I am a hundred percent positive, and I know anything could happen, but I am positive that Desmond Ritter is going in the first round. I think it's going to be me too. Yeah, sooner than a lot of people think too, because maybe because scouting can be an archaic thing sometimes, man. Like people are going to look at him. Some, you know, scouts set in their ways. They're going to be like, he's six, three plus he's a four year starter. Like you said, ran a four he's five, ran a four five. He's got a plus arm, everything. You know, you kind of just check those boxes and people are gonna be like, Oh, I, I can work with that. And that is yeah. a flawed way of thinking, but it is going to happen on top of the other layer, which is the most important part. The fact that it's not a good quarterback class. Like that's just the point blank to it. So yeah, I, I agree completely with Connor on this one. I think there's about a 98% chance that Desmond Ritter goes in the first round. Man, it's, yeah, it's just, you look at it and you, you can talk yourself into how a team will convince themselves of him being the guy. And teams do that all the time. It's a tough position to hit on. But if he was really that guy, wouldn't we be talking about him in the top 10 of the draft at that position? A four-year starter, that kind of athleticism, a lot of people like his, uh, you know, obviously, you know, off the field in terms of how he works and how he communicates and all those things. I, I you know, I have to say this too. I was very unimpressed with the arm um, overall. For I don't think it's a bad arm. I don't even. It's not a mediocre arm, but a guy that's billed as big, strong, athletic. I, I don't think he has a very a power arm in, in any sense, and, and it just goes back to just not seeing a, a loaded up with traits kind of guy in round one. And I think that's how he's being sold for some reason. So the last one that we wanted to, to get to here, Connor, uh, at the beginning of the cycle, Kayvon Thibodeau, the Oregon edge rusher, it seemed like he was a lock to be the first overall pick. Like we're talking back in summer scouting yeah. in that, at that period of time. And then as the season progresses, Aiden Hutchinson starts to push his name into the conversation. We just talked about Trevon Walker on how he plays into that, into that situation. 
But with Kayvon Thibodeau, we're suddenly starting to doubt his passion for the game and things like that are being brought up in his evaluation. Do you think that there's a possibility that Thibodeau, or, or how realistic of a possibility do you think Thibodeau falls outside of that, that top five and then maybe even the top ten? I don't see it. I don't see him making it past the New York Jets at four. And and maybe I'm wrong. Um, you know, I, I've been wrong before plenty of times, but <laughs> I just look at it and go, man, can he really make it by the Lions, Texans and Jets? Are you kidding me? Like, it's just insanity to me at that point. Even when you draw up the most absurd scenario, let's draw up the scenario of how he can. OK, say Trayvon Walker goes number one, like, holy crap. So then Hayden, Aiden Hutchinson will go number two. That's what would happen in that scenario. Say the Texans really do like a non-pass rusher. They go Iki Aquanu at three, which very well could happen. Mm-hmm. Say the Jets are just so sold on Jermaine Johnson's character. Wow. Who is not calling the Giants yeah. at five to take Kayvon Thibodeau? The Falcons aren't going to pass him. The Seahawks aren't going to pass him. The Giants at seven might not pass him. I I'm not buying it. I think we've re- we've gone too far. We've gone way too far. People could sit here and I've enjoyed the conversations I've had with evaluators where they go, I have no problem with the character. Guys that interviewed him at the combine uh, and liked him, they have problems on tape. And I personally, I value him highly on tape, but I understand what they tell me. I get it's a he's a guy that, you know, he wasn't as bendy as they hoped. And he, he doesn't have a pass rush toolbox that they would like to see. They thought he was a lot of speed to power. They wanted more fire in a conference that's very underwhelming at offensive tackle more often than not. I get it, right? I totally get If that's what you want to sell me, there is still so much good with him. Explosive nature. I thought he played very hard. Um, You know, the measurables, everything there. That In this draft? Are you kidding me? There's no Chase Young. There's no Miles Garrett. There's no superstar quarterback. There's no Jamar Chase. You're telling me in this draft, Kayvon Thibodeau is going to fall. He's not going to fall out of the top 10. I would put it at a 3% chance he makes it out of the top five. He's just too good of a player with too big of a ceiling. Yeah, it, it's it's so fascinating to see every single year the guy that gets over-analyzed. Yeah. Like, it's it's him this year because, like you said, I feel like people are painting him as this person that doesn't love football, which always happens. But then they act like that's on the film. And I agree with you, Connor. When the first time I watched him in the summer, I was like, I think he's a better run defender right now than pass rusher. Like he plays yeah. hard in the run game. So I, I'm just, I find it very odd that he, for whatever reason, is the guy this year that is the, the, the kicking boy or whatever the, the phrase is for guys that are just getting overanalyzed. It's very odd to me. You know, what's funny to me, people will stretch themselves out to explain why, Trayvon Walker will be so much better at the NFL in a different role while they don't talk about how Kayvon Thibodeau can go into a scheme with a front four that is attack, attack, attack and explosive nature like that. And he can walk into 10 sacks or they don't talk about how I mean, Oregon at times kicked him inside and he was beating up guards. It's not what he should be doing at the NFL level. Put him on the edge, let him rush wide, and let him do it over and over again. He's so athletic, though. When they have him peel out to the flat or drop, he looks amazing in space. I, I just, it's funny to me how arguments are shaped for a guy that was phenomenal as a true freshman, was great this year. The COVID season, you know, changed uh, how much he was able to do. That's completely out of his hands. And he was fine. There's good tape from that season as well. I don't know. I, I don't, you know, it's crazy to me. There wasn't a drop off in pressure rate. The pressure rate went up all three years significantly. I, I think it's, um, 
I really want him to be so good now to the point, not because I think he will be good, but because how many times do we need to do this in the draft over and over again before it just stops and it's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And, and I do think when all is said and done, he's going to be, he's going to go two or four uh, where people will be like, Oh, all right. We really went full circle on Kayvon Thibodeau. Yeah, he does really. It does really seem like some maybe some of these later teams in the top ten might be the ones circulating some of that buzz because they're hoping he. Does I bet they want him bit. to fall. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So let me just ask you this before we wrap up: Is there a chance he still goes one though, or do, do we think that's just guaranteed? Aiden Hutchinson or or maybe Evan Neal? It'd be a hell of a hide by the Jacksonville Jaguars if that was the case. I. I haven't heard a peep about them with him. Um, mm. I've heard Hutchinson buzz. I've heard Evan Neal buzz. Now we hear Trayvon Walker buzz. We've heard Icky buzz. We never had the Kayvon cycle at number one. Right. And I, what's the point for them, right? Is it that they really want to trade this pick? And they think the only thing I can think of, like you, you got to play out 8 million scenarios in your head to try to get to a reason. The only thing I could think of is I have known the Detroit Lions have loved Aiden Hutchinson since November. Like uh, this was always the guy. And maybe it flipped that they are a lock to take Aiden Hutchinson, hoping that they could flip with the Lions and get an extra pick and still get whoever they want it to. That is so unlikely. That is such a long game. I'd be genuinely impressed if they pulled that <laughs> off. Um, I don't think that's happening, but that is the only thing I can come up with because right now, guys, Nobody's looking to pay a price to come up for the number one pick in this draft. No. Ryan, what about you? Just curious on your thoughts if you think there's any cave on hype at one. No, nah, I mean, I bought completely into the Aiden Hutchinson thing. And, and like you said, like what Connor just said, which is something that I wanted to ask, but we unfortunately didn't have enough time, Connor, was about trading into the top 10 because everyone is always asking me, what do you think these teams should do? And I'm always like, well, they should trade back, but they're not going to be able to because there's just no quarterback that's going to be a player that people want to trade up for so I, I agree completely to the sentiment and I agree fully that I, I think it's Aiden Hutchinson Joe that's why I had him taking him in the in the mock draft yesterday despite the Trevon Walker buzz like I, I think that it is I don't want to say foregone conclusion because anything could happen because it's Trent bulky again we talked about that but I think it's going to be Aiden at number one as well so that's going to be it from us here on the NFL draft prospects podcast Connor thanks for joining us be sure to go follow him on Twitter at Connor J. Rogers. Check out all the amazing stuff he does with Bleacher Report and Pro Football Focus. Connor, it was a pleasure. I'm sure we'll have you on again soon. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Always good to catch up with you. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. 
Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.